Come on, <laughs> pull up a chair. Um, and welcome to the Age Z of Festivals with me, Rob DeBank. Uh, I'm sat here in my office, office, aka uh, a room full of records, disused toys, and, and random crap. Uh, it's a kind of sunny day outside. We've just recorded, well, I've just recorded the uh, third podcast in the Age Z of Festivals series yesterday, and uh, just having a little look at that. So, hope you're enjoying the shows and getting to grips with what these festival things are all about. I might even do that one day. Um, but yeah, hopefully you're getting some insight into the secret world. Um, yesterday I had the pleasure of travelling up to a secret part of London town, previously unexplored by DeBank. Um, that's why I walked around the streets looking like a lost tourist for about an hour. Then was lucky enough to be taken in by none other than Miss Annie Mack, uh, my guest for this week. So Annie and I go back uh, eons, absolute decades, to 2004 when she joined Radio 1 as a gobby Irish girl making tea for Zane Lowe. Uh, when I say gobby, I kind of mean she knew far too much about music for her own good and was obviously going to eclipse all of us fairly soon and she did thus uh, overtaking all of us and just rising up the ranks ridiculously quickly um now the proprietor of the weekday evening slot that Zane left, she's uncovering all the best uh, new indie, electronic, rock, folk, techno, everything in between. You name it, she plays it. Uh, she's played most of my festies over the year. Uh, first DJ to play main stage at Bestival always draws a massive crowd wherever she goes. Um, you never quite know what she's going to do, which angle she's going to go down, but you know it's going to be good. Uh, also got her own festival, Lost and Found in Malta, which is my excuse for being able to talk to her on this podcast. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump in the DeBank TARDIS and whisk ourselves into Animac's home recording booth, the A to Z of festivals with Animac. So she's the queen of Radio 1, uh, queen of Radio 1 raving schedule on Fridays, every evening, um, the queen of Clubland, queen of Queen's Park. She's basically the queen of Queen's. It's Annie Mack. How are you doing? Hello, Rob. Do you feel like the queen today? I don't today? feel like the queen because queen makes me feel old. Okay. Well, like a young essentially, queen. essentially, I am old, so I have to just come to terms with the fact that I'm old. Well, you've got your little pinky stuck out, you're sipping your tea. Yeah. It's, it's a detox tea, by the way. It is a detox yeah. tea, everyone. So, yeah, nothing uh, nothing illegal in the tea department. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for letting us into your bomb-proof, bulletproof, yeah. soundproof... Uh, it's my woman cave. This, this is cool. It's, so it's, um, are we allowed to say that it's in your garden? Yeah. 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 And um, it's kind of like a, a square room with some plants in it, some cool leather chairs, pretty... It's, uh, so it's when tea or the kids are getting too much, you... Literally make a beeline for here. Yeah. There's also, very importantly, a large curtain that you can pull across the window so that no one can see you because the problem is when you're in here, sometimes you're a little too accessible. Um, but it is also lovely to be able to pop in and have lunch and see the kids whenever you like. It's a real treat. So is it is it a strictly child-free zone, is it? Yeah. Sometimes they come in and play records, but that's at the weekends. Records? Wow. Mm, I know. Remember that? Vinyl. Them. Vinyl. <laughs> 
Okay, very exciting. No, thank you so much for. Um, I mean, you've got a, you've got an insane week for starters this week. Tell us what you're what you're doing this week. Oh yeah, so we've got um, AMP London happening, which is this new venture that we're doing through AMP, which started out as a, a kind of just a club brand, probably nearly 15 years ago now where it was just in the back room of Fabric and it was pretty much me inviting DJs to come and play with me and curating events lineups and it's kind of turned into something bigger over the years and now for the first year ever we're trying to do more of a conference so we're putting on a load of gigs 40 acts in four days in in various different venues across East London we're also doing a, a music conference where we're getting loads of like key people in the industry um, from like Emily Evis to Posty, the guy that runs Grime Daily, to all different people at all different levels to come in and, and have heated, hope, hopefully honest discussions on the state of play in the music industry. And there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to talk about. I, I mean, I was looking through the lineup, looks, it looks amazing, but it's, I mm. think, you know, some people look at the, the dance music industry, especially, or Radio One, and just think it's a bit flippant, a bit sort of throwaway. But this is, this is proper heavyweight stuff that you're, mm. getting, you're getting stuck in here. There's some serious issues. Yeah, I really want to, because I think, like, in a world of Twitter where everything is so binary and so, like, hate you or love you, or it's like rage, you know, I think it's important to remember to have nuanced discussion on stuff and in a place that is kind of safe where everyone gets their space to talk um and there's all sorts of just you know there's a lot of stuff going on in the music industry we've got a talk that's that's attracting a lot of attention about um cancelling artists and and the whole kind of concept of when and how and if you should cancel an artist based on stuff that they've been accused of doing Mm, a la R. Kelly Michael Jackson all that stuff so that's really kind of pertinent at the moment it's kind of more and more names keep popping up um, so that's a good one. Also, what I'm super passionate about is the female voice in rap and how, you know, you've got a female doing the radio on rap show, which is really exciting. And there's more female rappers coming through and kind of what that will look like in a few years. Um, well, we're going to get into the um, the gender divide a bit later as well. You thought you were just in for an easy ride. Oh, about I did. Festivals. I thought no, you were no, going to no, be just... like, I had to remember like whenever I got pissed at festivals. <laughs> no, this is going to be heavy. No, it's not. All right, okay, David we're... Dimbleby. <laughs> well, let's kick off with a few very light-hearted um, true or falses just to kind of get warm. Okay. Up. So, um, true or false, Annie? Among your many accolades and titles, you were you were the official festival ambassador of Malta 2018. <laughs> I think it's for life, babe. Oh, is it? I think. I was going to say, who's, two, yeah, who's 2019? 2019. Like, I've got to show you what they gave me. They gave me this huge glass Maltese falcon. Wow. I need to move it in here because it's currently sat on top of our fridge. But yeah. Did I am you have the, to bring I'm, that back in your hand luggage <laughs> or did they send it over? They got it sent over. <laughs> wow. But it's called, yeah, I'm the festival tourism, festival tourism ambassador for Malta. I have no idea what it means. I haven't had to do anything. So does that mean you're never allowed to take your festival off the island of Malta? Pretty much, I think. <laughs> I think it's a silent agreement, yeah. I mean, I should have pointed out at the beginning, actually, obviously Annie is well-known and uh, amazing at many, many things, but, we're, you know, we're obviously going to talk about your festival, Lost and Found, in Malta, um, and, you know, it's the eighth set of festivals. So that is, that's your tenuous link into, um, into this debate. OK, uh, true or false, um, clubs are dead, long-live festivals. <sighs> That's too like Twitter. You can't say true or false to I that. I think I might have seen it on Twitter and <laughs> yeah, nicked yeah. it. But I do have a T-shirt that got sent to me saying all the clubs have been closed down. And oh. I'm unfortunately tending to agree. It's pretty, pretty bad. Mm. But th- there's definitely like considerably less clubs, but there is still clubs. There is still 
clubs out there, but I would say there's only like one underground, great, sweaty dive of a club per city rather than 10. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of like that. So um, but festivals t- but really are But there's 10 festivals in every city. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Um, you once had a live pig on your rider, true or false? Well, it wasn't technically a live pig. It was just a pig. It was pig paraphernalia because I love pigs. So, you know, and I specified in the rider, you know, that could be a key ring. It could be an ornament. It could be, you know, but someone actually put two live pigs in my dressing room in a pig pen <laughs> in Southampton. Actually, it was one of the best gigs of my life. <laughs> because of the pigs or yes, just generally? because I got to hold pigs. Yeah, my hometown of Southampton. Yeah. Famous. Um, okay. And uh, last one, your hair's so curly because you drink so much Guinness. Yeah, 100% yeah. true. Cool. Okay, let's get on with the serious <laughs> stuff. So, um, I mean, kind of festivals, you know, especially since I've been doing this, you know, the, the podcast, um, I've really thought, you know, festivals are kind of my happy place. And that's not to say that clubs aren't or my family isn't or anything mm. like that. But, you know, they've, they've been, you know, for the last 25 years, that is when I'm just like, yes, the most excited, the mm. most kind of vibrant. You know, what is the magic of festivals for you? What you know, what is it that kind of gets you going with festies i think it's the it's just the freedom i guess um the freedom of being able to have unfettered fun for as long as you can stand up it's pretty much that like (laughs) no one watching you apart from the man on cctv yeah (laughs) yeah more than more than really the music because the music obviously is amazing but for me it's more it's more just the, the the idea of kind of total total freedom um and i think we do it well great britain does it very very well way more than other countries Mm. having traveled the world and gone to various festivals there's a certain element of british festivals where people allow themselves to go totally feral and i think that's probably to do with the kind of stiff upper lipness of british culture still you know um it's good for people to lose their inhibitions and to get loose and just to kind of um, forget themselves for a while. I think festivals are very good at that. They're kind of otherworldly, aren't they? They're escapism. Yeah, uh, no, it's absolutely, and but obviously you're you're fairly recognisable these days. So I wear a wig. You wear a wig. There you go. (laughs) I did it at Glastonbury. it was a stone circle at seven in the morning with all my friends with a bright red fringed straight wig. Like, couldn't be any more different yeah. from my hair. And everyone's Annie like, Mac. all right, Annie, <laughs> want a balloon? No! <laughs> like, just can't escape. But I yeah. remember a couple of years ago at festival, Sam Smith came and he didn't want to be recognised. He wore a honey monster outfit. Amazing. For the whole thing. And I was like escorting him around. No one had, no one had a clue who it was. He was it. like jumping over the fence. Um, okay, so first festival attended, if you can remember. It was um, Greenbelt. Mm. Do you remember that festival? Yeah, I do, yeah. It was, and it was in England, and yeah. I grew up in Dublin, so that was a really big deal. And I went through a big phase when I was in secondary school of being really, like, into religion, like yeah. born-again Christianity. And a lot of the people in my year were into it. It was the thing. Um, mm. I used to go to, like, Christian camps. And then Greenbelt was, like, the Christian festival. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I yeah, remember. No, anyway. no drink and... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, a load of us were allowed to go to England. Like, there was no way I would have been allowed to go to England as a 16-year-old to go to a festival. Was that your cunning ploy? Apart from the fact that it was a, <laughs> it was, it was a Christian festival. Um, so, yeah, that was my first festival experience. And I remember wow. seeing... I can't. I wish I had a better memory. My memory's so bad. But I remember seeing a Black few... Black Sabbath. It was like U2 covers about Midnight Oil. Okay. A midnight Oil I, covers back. The music wasn't so great. Wow. Um, and uh, 
a couple of singer-songwriter people and everyone like sat around campfires and stuff and I remember camping with my friends um, with a boyfriend who I really wasn't into at the time. So yeah, I remember that was kind of a big moment for me, I guess. I expect everyone was it kind of thinking, oh, it's going to be Tomorrowlands or Coachella or Reading mm. or... But Green no, Greenbelt. Belt. Yeah, cool. I, I think Greenbelt's still going. Does it? I think so, yeah. And um, yeah, there was a lot of... There was a really famous festival in Ireland called Fela, but I never went there. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed till I was older. Probably very wise. Yeah. Knowing you now. Um, mm-hmm. So you, I was going to say your first festival played out. It was actually um, going to be talking about... Was it Radio One's big weekend in Dundee, or was that the first Radio One festival you played at? First festival I played at was probably—I have no idea. That was two thousand and six. So um, yeah, that would be right then. That would have to be right. You did the essential mix live, and I remember that because it was to be asked to do the essential mix live was quite a—that's a big deal. Big deal, and yeah, not to take away from your. Your DJ, but at that stage, you'd probably... I was brand new. ...not been club yeah. DJing for that I'd long. I'd only so. got my show in 2004. So it was around then that I started DJing in clubs. So I'd kind of been, yeah, been DJing in clubs for a couple of years max. So, yeah, that would have been a scary experience. I don't remember it, Rob. I don't remember anything. Help. <laughs> you should do a podcast about remembering <laughs> things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you actually said at the time, because I, I did Wikipedia this, um, this is the first time they trusted you to do a live mix and they chose to do it at, um, at the big weekend in Dundee. So it's like, right, OK, no, yeah. no, no cosy, warm studio for you. Go and do it to the people. Yeah. OK, um, so when you play a festival um, these days, do you kind of... You know, it's, it's easy to go down the kind of safe route, isn't it? And mm. hold this one, you know, everyone's going to get that. Mm. And all, all the oldies or the bangers or do you, do you still try and slip in the new ones and the kind of yeah. undiscovered stuff? Definitely try. Yeah, I think it, it very varies. It varies according to where you are in the festival, what stage you're on. Um, you know, I've done a lot of main stage festival sets in the last few years and... They, you know, are normally 60 minutes long and you, they have to be more kind of choreographed. And I don't mean I with a dance troupe, but definitely <laughs> like you need to have an idea of the kind of flow of, of, of what's going to work. And I, you'd always have a really solid beginning and end and an idea of the songs that you play in the middle. But you don't want to have it totally done because then it's boring. Yeah. So you have to have an element of surprise. But So it's not Dead Mouse programmed on a... No, I, um, pre, no, pre-mixed. Uh, no. <laughs> no, and then and then sometimes you try and bring in other elements, like when I did the gospel choir, for instance, a couple of years ago, and we headlined a John Peel tent at Glastonbury. That was like that's probably my most peak festival experience because, as a DJ, well, not there's been so many, but but that one was one of them because I was really uncompromising. And the reason why I've realised is because I'd just come back off maternity leave. And I'd been away and I didn't really know what was like the hot records. I just decided I wanted to play a set of exactly the music that made me love dance music. So it was a lot of old kind of obscure, more Detroit techno stuff and old like Robert Hood and that kind of stuff. And I mixed it in with, we had a gospel choir singing live over it. And it was like my epitome of like the dream DJ set I could ever play I don't know how well it went down but I loved it I remember my agent afterwards being like good but you could have played a few more bigger tracks <laughs> like, of course you're going to say that but I, I was proud that I kind of stuck to my guns on that one okay well that, I, that was one of my later questions to ask you what your kind of best festival experience was but what about off stage what's your what's your kind of best festival experience I can't remember anything really. <laughs> no um obviously I've I, like best of all for me is genuinely one of my favorite festivals in the world having been there so from the please, very please don't say it's that not, just because I'm here it's not it's like I went I was at every one 
I think I've been to every single one. I might have missed one a couple of years ago because I was on maternity leave again. But I went to the very... That's no excuse. Yeah, right. (laughs) I went to the very first one and then kind of kept going every year over the years. Um, And and went as as a DJ, obviously, further down the line and then brought AMP to it. It's got a big history with with AMP festival because we've had some really kind of seismic moments there in that big tent with AMP whether it was Sam Smith's first ever gig when he came yeah, straight from a bar with disclosure yeah yeah, yeah. Um, to being DJ Medi's last gig yeah, which I never nice. ever forget so DJ Medi playing there with Weton um you know it's been a mad journey that festival and me as a DJ and AMP so um well, I wasn't yeah. fishing for that, but it's nice to nice to reminisce. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it just we'll come. We're going to get on to your festival in a minute, but some obviously some serious kind of issues in Festiland these days. Well, when I say serious, I mean you know hot topics, and they are serious issues. And you know, gender gender divide, you know, right up there. I know you're doing a lot of stuff with Smirnoff Equalising. Mm. So, just tell us a bit more about what you are trying to do, what you're aiming to do, what you think the problem is. Obviously, we know the problem, but you know. Mm. Well, it's just like really unbalanced, isn't it? And, um, you know, some festivals are way worse than others. It's just, I I think it's just a problem with with a lack of women in the top tiers, mainly, of festivals. So when some promoters, their their favourite line, they come back and say, oh, well, there's more male bands or there's more male DJs. there's not enough to choose from. (laughs) So I think there has to be a responsibility and an awareness if you're putting on promoters if you're a promoter and you're putting on an event and you have to have an awareness of, of who's in that crowd who's on in that field looking at the stage and is there something for everyone there you know there's lots of boys there's lots of boys on the stage but what are you saying to girls in that field who are looking at the stage if you're just putting on a lineup full of men you're saying that there's not a place for them on that stage mm. I think it's just a, it's about I, I just know from being a woman in this world where there's so few women in DJing or was anyway that it's really important to have representation and it's not until you can see someone doing something that you think oh maybe I could do that myself it was Marianne Hobbs is the person who made me think I could do specialist radio even though I'd been listening to John Peel before it was her when I was like oh maybe I can do it because she's a woman and she's doing it it's the same with DJing Mm. and I remember when I started out as a DJ it was always, always the way, you know, it was always a remarkable situation where there would be the first two or three rows with just girls looking curious, you know, watching because they hadn't seen a girl doing what I was doing. Yeah. Which is mad because there's nothing about being a woman or a man that makes you a better or worse DJ, obviously. No, definitely um, not. So, yeah, it's just, it's just that. And, and the good thing is now in dance music, there's a huge wave of women coming through. Like, it's not hard to book 50-50 mm. lineups at all. I was and going to say, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I noticed three or four years ago, two, two, three, four years ago, you suddenly noticed this big wave mm. of uh, under, underground um, DJs coming through and rising quickly up the ranks. You know, do you think that's always been there or do you think this is something that... It's definitely sped up in the yeah. last five years or so, I'd say. And why is that just more <clears throat> young women getting... They're just seeing more women doing it, I yeah. think. It's that, it's that kind of cyclical thing. You know, the more women you see, the more women start it themselves. So it's going to be... I think there's going to be, like, way more. Um, I think we need to have more women at the top of the tiers in terms of headliners. And, um, in, in you know, again, the female females in rap would be great to have more more women rappers repped you know it's going to take time but I think it's just having a, having an awareness of it and, and making the conversation um, at the top of the pile 
in terms of things to to talk about and you know the, the way that it's happened is that it, this equalizing music thing it just means people talking about it yeah which means people are aware and th- th- there's a kind of obligation now for people to think in this way to think okay are we are we doing are we representing enough in terms of the diversity of our lineups, and that's a good thing. It can only be a good thing. Find the power. Okay, I don't want to get too. <laughs> don't want to keep it on a serious tip, but actually, these are these are you know these are important issues that we're we're talking about, and they all sort of somehow come back into the world of, of festivals as well. Um, you know, I sort of jokingly said clubs are dead, long live festivals. Um, you did a did a TV show a couple of years ago, or was it last year? Who killed the night? Yeah, a couple of years ago. A couple of years yeah. ago on BBC Three. You know, that was about um, you know was Clubland kind of shutting down a bit and I mean do you think festivals are part of that do you think um that you know apart from obviously the pressures in of running clubs and stuff do you think that yeah it's just a natural leakage to I really do think festivals are a huge part of it actually not all of it Mm. but they're definitely a big part of it um it's they've become kind of aspirational they've become a kind of rite of passage for a kid to go to um and when you have a pool of money to spend on fun, you're probably going to spend all your money on a festival so that you can go and see as many bands as possible, or many DJs as possible over a weekend, rather than kind of split it up into whatever, like six trips to a club. I don't know. Yeah, That feels like how people are doing it. It's, it's all about going to a festival. I also think a huge part of it is a new generation of people where everything exists through this prism of social media. So festivals are very instagrammable let's be honest and and you know and i know as people who put on festivals is when you produce festivals you do have to think about that you know the first time i ever saw a big festival name in giant letters was festival and that was pre-instagram but definitely that is now a thing at festivals where there's always a big entrance or mm. big kind of you know letters or you know like a moment that is instagrammable for yeah. that for that thing People love love daylight because they can take pictures of themselves. Clubs are dark. You can't do that in clubs. And uh, it, it, I, I do think that's a really big part of it. That, that is it's very perceptive. It's so yeah. fucking depressing. <laughs> but I think it's true. It's kind, it's kind of depressing, but I also think, you know, we noticed at our festivals about five years or, 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 early, or earlier that, you know... P- not kids, but young people are looking after themselves a lot better. You know, they, mm. they want to do a yoga class in the morning and then have a, have a healthy juice and then maybe do some raving in the mm. afternoon or evening. That's but also Instagram. Do you think that's what it is? Yeah. It's not all about wanting to look after themselves more? No, I think it's about wanting to look good. Okay. I feel, well, there's also a wellness. I've been totally hoodwinked. There's, there's also like a wellness <laughs> thing, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, it's much more culturally normal to talk about wellness and, and being mentally... Uh, sound and kind of to talk about mental health and all that. So you know what, that is that is a fair point because that's another thing that's happened is that idea of of mental health. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's very different. You know, as you know, back in the day, you just you'd go out and you 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 would have no visual uh, evidence of a night no you wouldn't want any well, that's what I mean <laughs> you'd be like, like if you look put at that the camera of away like, or a... of, um, of, of, of rave culture you know it was deliberately trying to look scruffy like anti-posh anti-glossy anti all that yeah um, it's really interesting 
Yeah, I could talk about it for days. <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely. The other thing, obviously, you can't not mention with festivals and, and clubs, and, and I would be silly not to, is, you know, licensing, council, all of that is huge when it comes to clubs. It's harder and harder to keep a club open these days because of, you know, people wanting to develop buildings into luxury flats and councils not giving out licences because they're worried that, that clubs are going to be disruptive to yeah, sure. neighbourhoods and that. So you can't, you know, that's a really big part of it as well. Cool. So that's anyone who's thinking of starting up a club has just uh, switched off. Good luck. You know, good luck with it. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. So, um, top tips for surviving these fests. Any any max secrets when oh, you? I would like to. Sorry, I would like to say one festival experience that's been etched into my head mm. forever is Fuji Rock mm. because it was the first time I've ever had festival culture shock going there. Um, and, and I had one of the best times I've ever had a festival there with my friend Reju, who we both know, who is a Punjabi girl from Birmingham. Um, and she is very loud and very fun. And neither of us had been to Japan before. And I DJed and we couldn't get over how polite everyone was, how everyone sat in their camp chairs and just politely watched and shut up and let the bands play without saying anything. And then also how everyone was just so quiet because they were all so polite. We were just like, whoa, it felt like we were on another planet. And then we found the only after party in the whole festival site and um, got so drunk that we ended up on the bar pouring jugs of iced water over our own heads like some weird warped version of Coyote Ugly. And... um, yeah, that, that was quite a night. So I'll never forget Fuji Rock. We really left our mark. <laughs> yeah, top top tip for anyone that wants a, uh, a quiet, quiet festival experience. Um, so, yeah, so your secrets for yeah. surviving maybe the, the more raucous UK festivals. Um, mm-hmm. Anything that you're packing, anything that you're kind of thinking about before you go? I mean, obviously, we know that now you're whisked whisked in in a black limo (laughs) and you've got seven bodyguards around you. You've got a golf buggy. That is not the case. Gold-plated golf buggy. That's your rider. I know it is. That is not the case. The golf buggy would be good. I'd take that. But, I mean, back in the day, what would you have said? You know, like a a bin liner to to sleep in and a tin of beans or or were you a bit more posh than that? No, I think um, I would be... Probably bananas, a lot of bananas. Mm. Always stuff like that that's easy, that keeps well. 
Um, <laughs> from crushed in your rucksack into this sort of yeah, jelly yeah. of bananas. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know what, I just, bananas. I can't remember. I can't remember. Manny Mac recommends bananas for festivals. I remember going, I remember going to Glastonbury. Oh man, it was, it must have been, because when I was pregnant with Riley, so it must have been three years ago, but I couldn't, it was an annoying stage of pregnancy when you couldn't tell people when you were pregnant. It was too early. And, uh, I was going with my friend Donnie and her friends. We were arriving on site. And as we know with Glastonbury, like, it, there's just no... It's it, it's kind of... You never know how you're going to get in. Basically, I was going with Donnie and she had a certain pass. So I had to go with her because she only had this certain pass. So I ended up carrying this bag that her friend of hers... Me and her were carrying this bag. And it was this really, really, really heavy bag. And uh, I remember thinking, I'm fucking pregnant here. I shouldn't be, like, doing this for so long. And it was really heavy. And then we stopped because we needed a rest. And my friend Ryan, the DJ Melody, he was actually like, what's in your bag anyway? And we opened it up and it was just like two litre bottles of like, <laughs> of like Fanta oh, stuff. God. I was like, why are you bringing that? carrying your Fanta? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is going on? It's like you've been carrying your bar across like three <laughs> muddy fields. So don't do that is what I'd say. Bring lots of phone chargers, bring lots of wipes, bring lots of sunglasses. And make sure you bring loads of clothes because it gets really cold at night. Phone chargers. Back in the day, you know, where, where were you going to plug a phone charger in? Yeah, well, they had like stations, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's, massive all, it's queues. all changed. Yeah. Okay, let's get into your um, let's get into your festival. Um, a lot, hopefully, a lot of people um, are listening that have uh, been to Lost and Found in Malta. Um, Malta, why why Malta? Well, they came to me actually. It was a group of guys who I've been working with for many years. They do Warehouse Project, Park Life, a real kind of great group of festivals and club nights and they had been developing the festival for a couple of years and with the people on the ground in Malta and they came to me and asked me would I headline it and then we went back to them and said how would you feel about us taking it on as AMP um, and there it was so we ended up me and Lucy my manager went to went to Malta to go and meet the team we, we literally met at the bottom of the plane by a car which drove us 30 yards to the airport which we were then brought in it was like I felt like I was some sort of a queen it was hilarious but they um, knew it they were really 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 warm and welcoming and lovely people they remind me loads about, of, of Irish people actually because it's just a small island very Catholic um, love a drink um, love a festival actually they do loads of kind of religious festivals in Malta like street festivals and stuff and they're not scared by thousands of well, they Ravers. they have large tourism, but it's all old people. So they really wanted to kind of get new, young kind of generation over there. And um, and we really did that. And, you know, there's always hiccups at the start, you know, because we're putting on massive, massive outdoor parties on the coast and, you know, sound travels and stuff. But the general feedback that we've had is very positive. People seem happy because it's out of main tourist time as well so it's kind of yeah, extra that's an amazing extra, thing for extra economy for them and so how stuck in do you get because obviously you you kind of curate the lineup and amp animac presents is your is your brand so that's obviously mm. you're, pr- you're proud of that but you know are you kind of going hmm, i don't know about that block of toilets over there or you know yeah. you- at the start it was that because we're all control freaks and we like to know that everything's done in the way that we want it done so we were very annoying I can imagine for the (laughs) festival producers we were going over and like you know doing the walk from how long it takes to get from the beach bar to the to the coach and you know look wanting to see all the tickets and all the you know how long you'd have to wait and um and then the actual like the nighttime venue yeah toilets was a really big thing 
the amount of toilets we're always as women always saying we need more toilets we need more toilets we need more toilets um uh so it it was that but then obviously after a few years of realizing that these people are consummate professionals and know what they're doing we backed off so i do things like all the creative all the aesthetic comes from us from music to how it looks to how it feels all of that um there's a lot of um, different stages I designed the stages I like drew how I wanted things to look and then they got like made in neon lights we've got this one cool stage that's flanked by two giant cocktail glasses um, isn't that just like a dream where it's you literally just... <laughs> the best dream here's ever. a drawing um, thank you yeah. I'll have that in two can months can you make that in pink and purple neon please <laughs> great and then just put like uh, put a great DJ in the middle to play <laughs> so yeah it's that that was just amazing and then you know since then as you know with the festival you get into a rhythm of it and people find their roles and um, it, the more you do it the easier it gets in terms of of, of the creation of yeah. it anyway. and it's fifth year now so you've fifth year you've yeah we year. sold out really quick in the first year and then the second year didn't sell as fast at all so that was a real learning curve it's like okay you can't be cocky about this you mm. know and it's learning about how much money you put into marketing you know how much how much money you put into the lineup at the start do you add more names all this stuff it's a huge kind of minefield of information that you have to learn and you still learn I'm still not near learning it um, the main lesson I think I've learned with it is that and I haven't learned it in a way like we haven't tried it but I've, I've been quite insistent to try and keep it small mm. because at the moment it fits at the very very most 8,000 and if we were to get it bigger we'd have to move site and all that and I think you know people definitely want to want it want it to become bigger but we don't wise very yeah. wise move yeah keep it small um okay um a lot of promoters that I speak to and myself included you get headliner anxiety mm. you know you you or, or announcement anxiety as well it's like we've got this amazing thing that we think we've created and then you put it out on social media and it's like ah why yeah. doesn't every single person love Think this it's and, as amazing as we do yeah yeah i'm not talking about your lineup necessarily yeah. but um do you do you get that um do you feel that yeah do you of wor- worry about headliner what? anxiety is the worst because it's the first part of the jigsaw once you get those in, even one name, then everything else will click into place. But you have to have one name over the line to get the other names to agree. And it's constant. Or, or, or the idea of, you know, someone only being able to do one day, but you've already booked someone in that day, so you have to move everyone around. It's just... Do you have a, do you have a lie and sort of say, oh, yeah, yeah, we got Missy Elliott. Yeah, it's absolutely no problem. Yeah, she's doing the Sunday. Is he available for the Friday? <laughs> no, I don't, Robbie. What do you think just I've been you. doing for the last 15 years? <laughs> but then you do get Missy Elliott. Yeah, you? yeah, then you, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, headliner anxiety is, is, is really rough. Mm. It's really tough, I've got to say. But it's weird for me because I am a headliner. So they always, because it's this small festival, yeah, they, so they can always say, right, well, you can, one that's one name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's run through some of the um, acts, just a couple of sentences on each or, or how you feel about them. AJ Tracy? Um, what, just as a festival act? or No, no, sorry, I, I, who are coming to oh, right. your festival Correct. this year. Yeah, okay, so he is hugely popular his album got to number three, totally independent. He is he is like such a big draw for kids. And we have a really healthy amount of kids who are into rap music, grime music. 
um, coming. I'm really proud of that because it's, you know, it's it's a real good, diverse mix of people at the festival. Artists and punters. Okay, this one sounds scary. Scream, open brackets, open to close, um, close brackets. So I mean, there's certain people that you have back every year. And I know you know that because, you know, I played at your festival for something like 10 years running. Uh, same with Scream, same with artwork. There's certain DJs that you will always get back. And I think that the DJs and acts that you always ask back are the ones that you know have a really good time. So they're the ones that don't just come as work, they come to play and have a laugh. They're those people like scream and artwork every year. They make the festival better because they have impromptu sets. They get all their mates up to play back to backs. They create moments that yeah. are then talked about, which is always a good thing. Well, so does open to close literally mean from yeah. the moment the club opens to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, barely legal. Barely Legal, again, amazing girl, amazing DJ, has been DJing for a while, really respected and is going to go on her Tropicana stage and um, and smash it, I hope. I'm sure. Uh, crazy Man of Festivals, Dennis Salter. Dennis Salter has played for the last few years running and ends up staying for like six days every time. <laughs> and again, is one of those guys who kind of creates moments and memories uh, with his DJ sets and also will just crop up anywhere and end up playing impromptu three-hour sets at the pool party or whatever. Um, there's always pool parties every day, which is kind of um, a nice thing because they're the kind of bits where anything could happen. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Lady Leisha. Lady Leisha, one of the most underrated MCs in the country, I think. Um, incredibly talented. We're really, really happy to have her and so good live, like consummate professional, knows how to work a crowd. She's going to have everyone going mad. And last but not least, Octavian. Octavian, again, is uh, a really, really great, unique rapper. And he's um, he's played for us at AMP before at one of our jazz cafe shows. So I'm really excited for him because he is like the hot guy at the moment and he's going to be a real, you know, everyone's going to want to go and see him. And every year we manage to get a rapper who's kind of on the cusp, like we had Stormzy three or four years ago and we had gigs um, last year. And so it's it's good to get those kind of those rappers that are, do we have gigs? Am I totally lying? I'm lying. Just leave it in, leave it in, it's fine. No, no we one did, will we notice. did have gigs. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have, I mean, obviously gigs have been around for a million years, but it's good to have, like, those big names that everyone's talking about. It's very satisfying, isn't it? That yeah. After it's happened and you look back and you're like, wow. Yeah. That was a, that was a great booking. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, I read, did I read somewhere that you stopped drinking when you're DJing? Mm. And how, so how's that going It's not, like, uniform, like, no. decision. If I'm, like, let's say if I'm having a really nice time and I've got nothing on the next day and I've got childcare, show me the vodka. Yeah, yeah. But that's not my life, really, <laughs> you know. It's it's not, it doesn't happen often. Um, I'm doing a lot less gigs. Um, so I, the club gigs that I do are kind of every, I don't know, three weeks or something like that. Yeah. And they're only clubs that I really know and trust and love that I'm going to really enjoy playing in. Um, and then the festivals are, are, are still on. Um, I think that having kids really made me forced me to turn a corner in terms of how I approach DJing uh, well first of all getting pregnant like I DJed up to eight months pregnant both times and you have to be sober then so that was that was good because you just had to do it <laughs> yeah. and then that, that obviously afforded me the knowledge that I could do it and um I'm kind of going on like I was an alcoholic. So I, I was definitely not yeah, an alcoholic. Yeah, and that, that, the question wasn't about, I suppose, yeah, it's not but, about but alcohol. You, I, I did definitely use alcohol as a tool to feel 
Com- more kind of confident yeah. because my problem with DJing it's not that I don't think I know how to do it it's that I'm super self-conscious of, of my physical self when I'm DJing I find it absurd it's to just have mad thousands though, and you thousands you of don't people look staring it at me at all you, you've never looked you want to hear what's like going that. on in there Robbie yeah, yeah, I, in my head I know, I'm pointing to I my know. head um, <laughs> as a, lo- a loud loud internal dialogue yeah um, and once you get into it it's alright like as I said I've got used to it but it's a very hard transition to make and I see it constantly I see people said, constantly just dance Annie it'd be fine no one's yeah. looking at you it's alright it's, no, don't it's worry it's literally all that yeah yeah um, but some of my my most fun inebriated gigs have been at festival mm. uh, that's the place where I've always felt like I could really let go and really as my friends would say go into full show off mode um, <laughs> yeah okay cool well one last um, little um, question and a big one the future of festival so we talked about you know maybe they're su- sucking some of the um, life out of clubs you know you see things like the fire festival documentary and you kind of just put your face I mean in that's your... very tough as a promoter to watch did you did yeah you have a horrible I, I, time I watched watching it like three times and I yeah. mean I'd you know I'd share share some of his his pain on on numerous yeah. levels but um but yeah I mean you know do, do you think it doesn't it doesn't seem to be slowing down does it the the amount of festivals the, no. the, the have you have you seen that uh, yacht week the yacht no. week have you heard no. about that no um, I think Monkey's doing it. It's, it's, it, look, it actually looks really cool because I love sailing. So you, you basically hire a boat, which is either a six or 12 person boat. Everyone's got to be over the age of 20. Mm. And it's either in like Croatia or Greece or, you know, nice places. And then they have kind of raves and beach parties. And yeah, oh, it actually God, looks you cool. You live on the yacht. Yeah, yeah. That gives me the fear. Right. I mean, it, it, I do, I do, yeah, there's part of me that is like, when I'm on a yacht, I'm normally quite responsible. Yeah. <laughs> Not it's that often, but, uh, but yeah, you don't feel like raving necessarily. But yeah, um, but yeah uh, so future yeah, there's festivals. A, there's a festival for everyone, basically, yeah. and everything. Yeah, I think that um, I'm really interested in it, actually, because as you say, they just keep on coming. There's no respite from the new festivals. Um, I think it will be harder and harder to maintain them and, and sustain them. And, um, in you know, already is getting harder, I think. And I think that they'll always be there. Um, Any more festivals in the Animac pipeline? I, not as yet. I've always had a pipe dream to develop one in Ireland. Um, and I've been working on that for years, but we haven't managed to figure it out yet. Mm. It would have to be good and, and, and have to be right yeah well you've got a few other few other things on your plate there's enough going on Annie thank you so much absolute privilege to uh, come and talk to you in your your sunny shed sunny (laughs) sunny woman shed anytime (laughs) anytime Robbie and um, amazing uh, so good luck with um, AMP this week what's the actual full title of it it's called AMP London AMP London so yeah go and and check that out people this is uh, coming out on Wednesday so uh, can people still come yeah they can still come there's tickets available for some of the gigs Um, you can sign up to the conferences as well it's all happening well it starts tonight Wednesday night and then Thursday Friday Saturday Saturday yeah so four days yeah And and what dates is Malta Malta is the first weekend in May so the first second third there you go. Stick it in your stick it in your diaries, festival fans and yeah. ravers. And thank you so much, Annie Mac. Thank you, Robbie. Yay! High five. <laughs> This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. 